Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gunnan from Find the Ranch. All right, welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Wrench, a really, really fun and exciting conversation with Anna Strauss this week. I think it'll be really, really helpful for a lot of people and maybe gives a little bit of a different perspective on a few different things, but uh, primarily what we can do to retain technicians and really not even just technicians, but employees as a whole, make them happy in our shops. Uh, But before we get to that, I want to talk about our higher or lower game. Last week's winner was Robert Scott with a high score of 36. With that, Robert wins a $100 Amazon gift card. And that gift card is sponsored by our friends at Diesel Laptops. If you haven't checked out Diesel Laptops yet, please do. Lots of great, not only tooling, but training opportunities. Just a really, really good company that has made major strides in in the industry and has been a supporter of Wrenchway Insiders from the start. So uh, if you would, please go out, visit our friends at Diesel Laptops. They've got a lot of great information on their website and uh, a lot of good resources in general. One other thing, Robert had a chance at the Queen of Hearts pot and unfortunately did not turn over the Queen of Hearts. So that pot now increases to $1,800. Every time that creeps up, I get really, really excited about who can possibly win that. So if you want a shot at that, make sure you go out to the Wrenchway app and uh, play the games for your shot at the $100 weekly gift card and the big Queen of Hearts pot. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, I'm not sure why, but if you have, make sure that you've updated that app so that it reflects some of the new changes that we've made. We've talked about it a lot, but reverse job postings is out there and we're gaining a lot of traction with that. A lot of great technician feedback on it. I would love to hear what you think of it. We've got some challenges that talk about that as well. So if you get a chance, head out to the app. Uh, You can download the app in the App Store or Google Play. This allows text to browse top shops to work at. It allows you to post reverse job postings, kind of putting your hat in the ring uh, and doing it anonymously. I think that's a really, really cool feature on the app. And you can answer quick questions about the industry for chances to win prizes. We'll include a link uh, to all of that in the show notes for this week's episode. As for this week's episode, uh, this was a fun one for me. This is somebody that isn't overly focused on the service business. And when I say service business, automotive and diesel, she's got a lot of clients with similar backgrounds and and really her passion and drive for how we treat employees and how we kind of get their feedback is really unique. And she is a wealth of information. So uh, our guest for this week is Anna Strauss. She's the co-founder and CEO of Spark. I think you're really, really going to enjoy everything that she has to say. Anna was an absolute rock star throughout this podcast. And and uh, I really enjoyed myself. I think all of you will enjoy listening to this. And uh, I think there's just a ton of great insight in this. So enjoy the show and uh, talk to you next week. Welcome back to Beyond the Wrench. Excited today to welcome Anna Strauss, who's the co-founder and CEO of Spark. I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with Anna a little bit about what we're going to talk about today and uh, was really blown away by her. I think uh, she brings a lot of great insight and a lot of things that we in the service business can learn from. And I think one of the cool parts about having her on 
is it's not necessarily her her forte to be into the automotive business, if you will. I think there's she's going to bring a lot of insight that maybe we don't hear on a regular basis just because we kind of get our blinders on and it's a little tough to uh, to see outside of our industry at times. So Anna, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's start with the company. Like what, what is this company? Yeah. So Spark right now, we're really helping companies just motivate and retain their top employees um, through our personalized employee recognition and engagement SaaS platform. So it's really equipping managers with the tools and insights to understand how each individual feels appreciated. Which is pretty sorely needed. I we'll we'll talk through some of the the stats that we have from our Wrenchway Insiders, but there's a reason we have her on. It's a, it's a definite need, something we need to pay more attention to. So, uh, how how did you get to this point to where you're you're a co-founder of a company and running the day to day of a company? How, what led you to to do this? Yeah, so it's interesting. I actually started off my career within the recruitment industry. Um, where I was really understanding, you know, the pain points of recruitment, trying to identify those top talents. And I really developed a passion into equipping managers, um, like I had talked about with the Spark platform, which is tools and insights to better lead high-performing teams. And so with that, I got certified as a leadership coach, trainer, and speaker, and started working with executive and management teams. That then transitioned into working a lot in economic development. So I'm based here in the Sacramento region. So I was in a role where I was helping local businesses expand, as well as recruiting companies to our region to create more jobs and opportunity. And so just going throughout that career path, one of the biggest things that always stood out to me is really the people possibilities and how that's really the heart of economic growth, potential, and innovation. And so kind of seeing a lot of the mishaps that a lot of clients were experiencing specifically within that vein kind of got me on this track of Spark. Which is so cool. Uh, how how did, like when you were bringing those businesses in, what kind of role was that? Like, was it just was it just trying to, was it more like on the, the, the city side or was it like a, a business just in general side kind of business development? How did, how did that work out? Yeah, great question. So it was a very collaborative effort where we were working directly with the city, the counties and business executives within the local community. And so a lot of times when companies are looking at new locations, um, they want to know what type of talent is there locally? You know, what are the resources that are available? Any incentives? So oftentimes we were competing with a lot of other cities, um, particularly in, you know, Colorado and Texas, where we were running data and analytics to show the ROI of coming to our region versus other areas and then teeing them up for success for them to be profitable and successful here in our community. That's awesome. And and you're you were doing some speaking too. You're still doing some speaking, I assume. Yeah, I still do some speaking. I think a lot of my time right now is working directly with clients and within our technology platform. Um, but what really got me on this path that was fascinating is just the best of intentions that companies have around retaining their top employees and how often it would backfire. 
And one area in particular was the amount of money that I would see companies spend on different rewards and perks to make their employees happy and want to stay with the company. Yet so many of them were leaving because they didn't feel appreciated. And it surprises a lot of employers to know that a lot of times they left not even for more money. It was the purpose of the organization, the culture. They had a friend that worked there that talked about how great the relationships were. And so this disconnect is really kind of what sparked Spark and got me on my journey of really researching why is this disconnect happening and how can it be solved? That is so, so cool. And there's psychology behind it, right? Like there's, there's, it's not just, I, I think a lot of times in industry, we'll, we'll say, oh, those damn millennials, they're just, they're, they're hopping all over the place. And, and it's not just that, right? Like it, it, there's, there's some psychology behind it. Yeah, there's absolutely a lot of psychology behind it. Um, Kind of what we initially found. So I took about a year off just going through white papers, working with different business teams, identifying, you know, the characteristics of employees, managers, executives. And there was two main disconnects that we found. So the first was with all of the spend that's happening on different rewards and perks that's coming in at the top at the executive level, they're approving the budgets. But then when those monies are being allocated, managers aren't equipped to give the appreciation. So that was a huge first disconnect. So managers have about a 70% influence over how engaged their team is, how productive they'll be, yet only about 14% of managers actually have the tools to easily recognize their team or know how to do that. So that was kind of the first problem that we saw. The second was even with those managers that were equipped, Every employee is looking for something different in how they feel appreciated. So it's funny because I actually started off looking at the different generations and how each generation ticks now that there's five different generations in the workplace. But even through the stats that I saw, they weren't entirely relatable to everyone. So I'm an older millennial and I look at all these things that millennials wanted. I could maybe relate to about, you know, 70% of them or so. So I started asking a lot of those questions. And what I found is, yeah, those generational trends are great to know and be aware of as you're shaping your internal strategies. But it's really uncovering how each person feels appreciated. That's really going to get you the greatest return on your investment and create a better employee experience. And I found this particular research that like broke it down so beautifully, just really honing in on the psychological aspects of it. And there's really three things that need to happen to properly recognize someone. It needs to happen at the right time, in the right way, and with the right reward. So what was interesting the most to me was that the physical reward itself is only about 40 to 60% of the overall recognition experience. Who it's coming from and how it's delivered, whether it's a personal note, a public shout out, that's what really gets to the heart of those internal motivators. Wow. That's nuts. Like that, and that's, that's, you just put it so eloquently and, and the way you laid that out. And I, I think that's so easy to understand that it doesn't always have to be monetary. It doesn't always have to be a thing, right? Like treating people like you want to be treated and, you know, kind of a lot of those analogies, I, I feel like apply here, right? Absolutely. Yeah. One of my favorite things is the platinum rule. It's not the golden rule that has to go out the window, but the platinum rule is treat others as they would like to be treated. Wow. And it's really, you know, understanding their workplace love language. And what is that? 
like, so when you say workplace love language, uh, break it down for all of the guys out here. So we, you can just, so I can decipher it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what we kind of look at, so again, um, I guess some of the complexity that comes with it is depending on what you're being recognized for, it may shift how you want that. So like, for example, if I just hit a huge year end goal and I just made a ton of money for the company, just say from a sales perspective, me personally, I would like a public shout out, like in the company meeting saying, you know, Anna hit this great goal versus if I was working all weekend and pulled all nighters, I would, it mean a lot more for the manager just to tell me directly like, Hey, thank you for doing that. You know, so it really depends on the circumstance, but if we're going to kind of bucket the different kind of workplace appreciation languages, you know, it's all across the board. So there are some that do like those rewards and perks. Maybe they're exhausted and you surprise them with their favorite coffee in the morning. You know, there's others who really value that one-on-one time with their manager where they're getting that immediate feedback of what's working well, what's not. Others, they love collaboration. They want to be a part of of a team. They want to be working towards a bigger goal and that's how they get energized. So, you know, if I'm recognized and I get put on a special project where I get to work with a team, that's what's going to light me up and get me more excited about my job in the company. So there's just different areas of knowing. And we actually have an assessment. Um, We'll be having one that's coming out for free. We just have it for our clients right now that, you know, it's a quick one minute assessment that really gives insight into how each person feels appreciated and their dominant style. Wow. Where, and we'll put, we'll put links to you in the show notes and, and anything that you want to show our audience about, I think that would be a great thing. And, and something you just said, hit a chord with me, start with a story. Um, but I remember reading business books and, and different types of just different business management books and having them talk about how you wanted to reinforce public recognition and, and do, you know, really be able to show people that you were appreciative. I think at times I might be overboard with that, but I had a, a scenario in a shop that I was running where I had a team meeting brought everybody together and said, Hey, you know what? This individual did a great job this month. Let's give them a round round of applause. And everybody clapped and we kind of went on our way. And that person came into my office later on and said, Hey, that was very embarrassing to me. Like I didn't like that. And I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) I just completely did the opposite of what I was supposed to do. See, and that's what I love it because it comes from the best of intentions. Like I said, that's where the complexity comes in because not everyone wants that where they're literally mortified. Like, I don't know, for me, it's birthdays. I do not want to celebrate my birthday. And the most awkward thing ever in the office is like, if people want to get around a conference uh, table and like eat ice cream, I'm like, I'd rather just go make shit happen. You know, I don't want to eat ice cream right now. I don't want you guys to know I'm getting older. So, but then there's others that are like looking forward to it. Like I want my special cake, you know? So it's just right. it's very unique to the individual. So we as an industry and, and something that drives me crazy is we're very bad. And I think even worse than most industries in that we assume all uh, mechanics technicians are the same. So we'll put them all in this bucket and say, oh, they like this. They like that. They like this. And it could be further from the truth. We have such a diverse set of individuals in terms of what they like, what their personality styles are, 
And, and that's just like one shop, not the like, but as an industry, we're very much of the opinion, I feel like, where we can just think that they're all this one piece. They're all like the same. And I mean, do you see that in business and, and maybe not specific to our business, but uh, just in general where it is that best of intention, but just maybe not knowing the execution side of like, hey, this isn't the way you should do this. Absolutely. I'd say that's kind of the most common right now across the board. And I'm seeing that shift a lot. So the reason why that happens too, is because, you know, it's the easiest thing to do, you know, a one size fits all approach. It's not taking a lot of time. And that's what really inspired us to build our software to help make it easier for individuals to understand how each person ticks. And there was actually a manufacturing company that we were working with and they had um, this great recognition program, just kind of going to your story. And at the end of the year, they would select like their top employee and they would get four nights at the Ritz for their and their family. And so this was something that the company invested a lot of money into. It became an annual thing. Yet, as we started talking to the employees and during further investigation, a lot of those employees did not feel comfortable going to the Ritz. They didn't want to go to the Ritz. That was something that was, you know, very exciting to the owners of the company and the executives and where they'd want to take their family, where in fact, a lot of these employees would rather go to Disneyland and take Mm. their families there. And they found more enjoyment there. So again, that disconnect of, you know, here's the one size fits all. Everyone wants to go to the Ritz. They're spending thousands of dollars and yet it did not motivate the employees at all, where many just kind of hung back because they wouldn't know what to do with it. Wow. You hit another chord with me there, which which is we're taking the easy way out in a lot of cases. It's no secret that I think communication is one of the hardest things in business and it in getting to know somebody is no exception. Do you how how important is it to to sit down and get to know the person that you're across the room or across the desk from? I mean, and know them more than maybe just a business setting. I mean, does that play a factor into how well you know them and how well you're going to be able to to reward them? Absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely that personal and professional component. And like what I like to say a lot is, you know, get to know the human behind your employee. You know, what do they enjoy doing? What are their hobbies and interests? Like if you were to give them $100, where would they go spend it right now that would like their heart on fire? You know, just asking some of those questions and that really dovetails into those motivators that they have, you know, why they're working there, what they're trying to accomplish with their family. And with that, bridges stronger relationships within the workplace. And with stronger relationships comes stronger retention and productivity. And I'm not sure if you've seen this, I did within my recruiting days is even some of the people that maybe weren't as happy with their particular role in a company as I was trying to recruit them for one of my clients, it was always the relationship that they had with their direct manager that kept them at the company and they would never budge. If that relationship wasn't there, it was far easier to recruit them or for them to kind of be passive job seekers. Yeah. People don't leave companies, they leave people, right? And that's like kind of a common phrase, but I think it's super important for people to understand. To kind of add on to that, we we have this Wrenchway Insiders thing and we pulled our Wrenchway Insiders a few weeks ago and asked, does your shop recognize employees for their work? And we gave a few examples of employee of the month, social posts, announcements, gifts, et cetera. And 78% of respondents said no that they don't get recognized by their, in any way, shape or form, like in any way, they're not getting recognized. 
which is mind-blowing to me. I mean, that's the overwhelming majority of folks in our industry that just aren't getting any recognition at all. I mean, and we wonder why we have a problem trying to keep people in our businesses, right? Yeah. And I think too, like a common misconception is that recognition needs to be this big milestone event. Whereas I really want to help redefine what that is for companies. It's really recognizing the individual, their efforts. It could be as simple as, hey, that was a great idea that you had in the team meeting. Or you know what, I'm seeing you increase your skills so much within this particular area. Or, you know, I know that you're interested in this training. It could be something as simple as that. Or, you know, you're exhibiting one of our core values. I saw you helping someone out. Just that positive reinforcement is really what a lot of the newer workforce is looking for. So one stat that's a little scary is that millennials and Zoomers right now, they're looking for recognition about every seven days. So that is very consistent. And so a lot of times when I'm talking to my clients about that, you know, I see fear in their eyes, like how the heck are we going to do that? We don't have that many programs. But what I reiterate is just, you know, coach your managers into, you know, just recognizing one person a week of something great that they did that week. It doesn't need to be this huge program around it, but just again, that positive reinforcement. What if, what if your personality isn't that, right? Where it, it, say you're managing a group of people and you're not the touchy-feely type of person, but you do know that this is important. Any advice to somebody like that, that, you know, maybe it doesn't come natural to? No, that's a great question. So a lot of this too, like in the industry, they're talking a lot about the EI skills. And that's like one of the biggest skills that need to be developed within the workplace. So I think that from an internal strategy standpoint, it's really coaching managers and teaching them what some of those skills are. But even an introvert or someone maybe who's more analytical, it's like, just look at your reports that week and see who's produced the most and go say, hey, great job. You were 10x what you were last week or 10% higher than everyone on the team. Like it doesn't need to be this touchy filly thing, but just acknowledging that someone's doing well, regardless of the approach that feels most comfortable for you. Is there, and this I'm going to kind of put you on the spot for, but is there any type of ROI? And and when I say this, I, I should try to clarify this as much as I can, but what I've noticed is when, and I think this comes from a lack of recognition, a lack of just general relationship with people, is that you start to get people in a rut. Uh, or people end up in a rut because they're not hearing it and they're not, you know, there's no positive reinforcement and it becomes monotonous. Like it just, it's not, uh, it's not overly fun to come to work. And I think productivity falls off a lot. Um, do, do you see, or when you're working with your clients, kind of being able to calculate an ROI or really what that employee recognition and just being a good manager does to a company? Absolutely. This is one of my favorite questions. So I am a data nerd. I love diving into research. I am huge on the employee experience, but I'm equally as passionate about the economic opportunities that come from that. And there is a tremendous ROI. So 
Um, one of the things that we have available that's complimentary for companies as well is our ROI analysis. And you can just plug in a few numbers from your company to see what the impact would be on your bottom line with an increase in engagement. So employee engagement is really looking at, you know, the employee commitment to the company, the loyalty. And one of the largest drivers to that is recognition. And so as you start increasing that engagement, it impacts every area of your business. So Gallup is like one of the godfathers of engagement research. And I reference them a lot and they've really helped build this solution just through a lot of their studies. But as you're increasing engagement, that impacts increased, you know, profitability, productivity, retention, absenteeism, the customer experience. It reduces any sort of safety hazards that may happen on site. So it really ripples throughout the entire organization. So like just as an example with absenteeism, so a disengaged employee, and right now I think I'm rounding up will take about eight days off a year in PTO versus an engaged employee that will take about two. So the more you're increasing that engagement, the more loyalty you have to them staying. And why I like using absenteeism as an example is because not only are you losing their time, but you're also losing your money. So it's a double hit to the company when they're taking that time off. The other area that I'm really passionate about that you you and I connected on was just, you know, that retention is recruitment's best friend. Yeah. Marcus Edwards told me that once he's a trailblazer recruiting podcast leader. And I love that because retention specifically about 65% of employees that leave their company do so voluntarily. So when I'm looking at how much it's costing a company when an employee leaves, it's tremendous. I mean, it's in the millions. And so just like to give an example, say a mid-level employee puts in their notice and leaves your company. On average, across the board, you're losing about 150% of that person's annual salary and lost time and cost. And if you look at all the people that you've lost in the past year, and if 65% of those are leaving voluntarily, that is where the area of opportunity comes to really drive that engagement and that commitment so you don't incur those costs. Yeah, and that's, I mean, counting the time to find somebody else, to train somebody else, uh, you know, the money that goes into bringing somebody else on. It's not like you just hire them and then they're ready to go. For the most part, you you have to do some training and that takes some time. So I think that's a really powerful stat and hopefully one that our listeners take seriously, because I think that that is so impactful to any business, but our business specifically right now, there's actually, we've got a stat ASE puts out and it says that we have, I believe it's 42% of our technicians leave within two years of, of getting out of trade school and not just leave to a different shop, leave the industry altogether. And so, you know, being able to see that and put some things in place to hopefully prevent that, to me, it's a no brainer. Like there's, there's a problem here. We, we need to fix this problem, right? Yeah. And yeah, that's certainly a scary stat. And, you know, just looking across the board right now, what, people are kind of anticipating is what they're calling the great resignation. 
And as the COVID cloud is lifting, people are now looking at other opportunities. So making a retention of focus now is probably more important than ever. And it's interesting to thinking specifically about the automotive industry. So Henry Ford is someone that's inspired a lot of what I'm doing right now. He was so pivotal in that initial shift of really taking a more human approach to the workplace, you know, reducing the hours and increasing pay. And everyone thought he was crazy. And, you know, now you fast forward over a hundred years and we're going through another cycle again, where it's the next layer of humanity in the workplace. And I know it's going to take some time, but this industry and specifically has been such a pioneer that I'm excited to kind of see how things transform. I agree. And and I love the the Henry Ford analogy. I've read a lot about Henry Ford. And um, I, I mean, some of the stuff that you just mentioned in adapting a 40-hour schedule. And I, I mean, that was all stemmed from Henry Ford. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of innovation that came from him. How about tools, right? So when we talk about this, we know it's an issue. What do we do? And obviously you've got a great software to help this out, right? In general, what are some good tools to one, know that you need to improve your employee recognition, but then two, how do we fix it? Yeah. So I'll just kind of like quickly walk through a framework that gets kind of companies over the most common roadblocks of that. And it's essentially a three-step process to get it in place. First and foremost, you need executive buy-in. If your executive team is not wanting to make this a focus or think that it's important, then it will never be successful. It's one of the first reason why any programs fail. And that's a big part why we developed the ROI analysis and just made this free. So you could really look at, okay, what's the ROI? This isn't a soft and fuzzy strategy. This is helping us be more competitive and innovative in our space. So once executives are bought in, The next thing that I always talk about is you can't manage what you can't measure. So it's really important to then do some sort of survey to really get confidential employee feedback, find out what's most important to them, get benchmark data so you can really kind of see where you're progressing, where you should be spending your time. And that's another area too. I just, I'd love to just share any free resources that we have right now because when COVID hit, that's one of the pivots we made. We do have a statistically valid engagement survey, and we're now offering it free, a free report to get, you know, what, how engaged are your employees right now? How effective are you within the key engagement drivers within your organization? What does turnover look like in the next 12 months or long term? So it's really giving companies those insights they need to shape their strategies moving forward. So then once you have that data, that's when you really start putting it into action. So that's when, you know, a lot of companies will look at different recognition solutions out there or different programs. But what's so cool about a recognition Recognition program is it can be so much more strategic than it is right now. So a lot of times people will say, you know, we'll do birthdays, we'll do work anniversaries. But what's been really fun is working with the clients on the data that we're collecting, identifying what's most important to the employees, and then also looking at the organization's goals, their purpose. Now, what behaviors do you need from your employees to hit those goals? Incorporate that into your recognition program. So you can start incentivizing and reinforcing those success behaviors that you need specifically for your company. So let's say that there's, you know, safety is an issue. 
you know, so maybe you want to create a program where people are being safe and then they're being recognized and rewarded and that's becoming a part of your culture. So then it's equipping managers with the tools, the insights and the mindset to have it on safety. Same with the employees. So now this individual approach is weaving up to the larger purpose of the organization. So do you do like personality assessments? And when I say that, to know that individual, or is it more just the the straight surveying to say, hey, you know what, this is how this person reacts? Yeah. So first we'll do the engagement survey. Just if you do the premium report, you can actually filter it out by different demographics. So you can look by different teams, locations, um, and so forth, as long as there's at least five people. So you can really personalize your strategy into what's working well, what's not, you know, coach the managers on that. But then with our full recognition program, we do have an onboarding that's really getting more specific to the individual, looking at personal and professional interests. It's all customized based on the company. So we have a library of questions that they can pull from, but then that's what's really um, pulling insights for managers at looking at both sides of the individual from a personal and professional perspective. If you're listening to this and not going out and getting those free resources, I'm not sure why not. Uh, these are the, the, these are awesome, and we'll make sure we put links to to everything so that uh, that you can get to them. When, when you uh, just to kind of move this a step further, when you look at coaching the management teams and and how they talk to them. So say they've got the reports and they're looking at, you know, uh, there's still that human element, right? So we can give them data to say, this is the way you should treat somebody. What goes into like an effective coaching piece to a manager uh, to where you can drive that execution on that communication and, and drive that execution on just, I don't know, like playing the numbers the way they should be played, right? How, how do you, how do you take that data and make sure that it's, it's being kind of transformed by the manager? Yeah, great question. So, you know, just from our solution standpoint, we have real-time alerts, recommendations, and coaching tips. So basically, it's a framework that I used with organizations, and I basically just commercialized myself. So instead of me being the woman tapping on the manager's shoulders and trying to give them tips, now it's our software. So that's awesome. I think it's important as you think through that, though, like how can that become more automated within your workplace? So, you know, if it's birthdays, you know, how are you sending out those reminders to managers? you know, one-on-one meetings or quarterly checkups. So a lot of companies right now are utilizing this engagement survey data into their KPIs. So they're actually seeing like, how engaged are your teams right now? What's happening? You know, how much have you been recognizing? Where now it's serving as an actual performance indicator and a coaching moment for managers outside of the other KPIs that they have. And how, how often are you surveying them? Is it like a quarterly thing? or and, and when I say that, to be able to get that data to see how you're moving the needle. Yeah. So with the survey right now, I have companies all across the board, just depending on how aggressive um, their strategies are. They could be doing the survey quarterly, just seeing how things are happening or just like a pulse survey question where they want to touch in on the specific areas that they're focused on. Um, I'd say that on a more regular approach right now, since COVID, it's probably every six months to a year um, right now, just because things are changing so rapidly, but at least having those pulse survey questions, you know, every other month or so, and just seeing how things are progressing. And how do you, so say somebody isn't using Spark, right? So say if they're using like a survey monkey or doing something like that, 
And just to try and get their feet wet before maybe going to Spark, because I think Spark is, it's a smart way to go when you're trying to drive this. But if if you're doing this, do you have any tips on how to get people to take the surveys? And, and you know, I think that that's one thing we, we deal with small mom and pops all the way up to some of the biggest companies in the world. And they all struggle with this, right? The small the small folks might be because they'll know the answers that come back and who those are tied to. So the anonymity is gone or the big folks are, you know, it, I think I've worked on both ends too, where you get the surveys and you're like, they're making me take this survey again. And you just try to get through it as fast as you possibly can. Is there a secret or any tips that you would have on, on that survey engagement? Yes, absolutely. Um, This is such a big focus and those are part of some of the biggest roadblocks to surveys. So I'd say that there's a pre-launch strategy and then a post-launch strategy. So just to kind of start with pre-launch, first going back to that executive buy-in, you need the executive team on board um, that, you know, during a company meeting or, you know, an email that's coming out from the CEO or one of the executives saying, hey, we're going to have a survey. You know, it's confidential. This is the purpose of it. And this is what we're going to do with the results and making sure that you're mentioning, hey, we're going to share the results. And again, that why piece is so critical. So then once the executive kind of lets employees know, then it's having a secondary meeting. And this is really, if you want to get granular and really spike up that participation, the next step would be, you know, maybe someone in HR having a quick manager meeting or even sending an email out directly to the managers with just a quick executive summary on what the survey is about, why it's important. So they're able to ask their teams or answer their team questions and then also remind them within the team meetings. So once the managers are bought in, again, they have the most influence that's going to inspire their team. So oftentimes what happens is the executive will say, this is what we're doing. And then someone comes up to their manager. Hey, what's up with that survey? Hey, just get back to work. I don't know what it is, you know, but when the manager's on board, then they'll know, okay, this is really important. And then right before the survey launches, I'd have another executive or HR person send out an email saying, hey, just a reminder, the email's coming out. So, you know, there's like different marketing strategies that you can do around that. Also through your communication channels, your intranet, you want to have it visible, but you need the buy-in of the executive team and the managers for it to really be successful. When the survey closes, this is one of the biggest mistakes that I see, is it's so great to get all that data and information, but then nothing's done with it. So employees aren't told what the overall results are. Well, what's the company planning to do with the results? Now this data is just sitting out in the cloud and no one ever knows. So a year later, they're doing the survey again, and now there's no buy-in from the employees. It's like, I'm not going to spend 10 minutes of my day filling out the survey because you guys don't do anything with it. So that would be the biggest tips is, you know, having a company meeting or regional meeting or team meetings where you're just giving a high level review of the results, where you're going to focus your time, but also celebrating your successes. And that's one part I feel like a lot of companies overlook too, is just as important of those action items are the areas that you're already doing well. That is so such a good answer, one. But two, is so true. I mean, how often do we see a company with a big mission, vision, values poster or you know, nice piece of artwork on the wall and nobody ever talks about it because it, they put it there for show and they don't talk about it. They don't manage by it. And it's the same with this. I mean, it, it really is that if it's just kind of a, oh, by the way, nothing's going to happen. And people become frustrated when you don't move the needle and when you don't actually execute 
execute on things. And I get it. Like from from managing a business, like a business manager standpoint, it is really, really hard to prioritize it. But as we're learning throughout this podcast is maybe one of the most important things you could do in a business. And, and I say that, you know, I obviously getting money in the door to keep the doors open is, is priority number one, but this is going to, to generate that. I mean, when, when it comes down to it and how many businesses do you hear say, well, it's, a, it's, about, it's all about our people. It's all about our people. And I, I say this, you know, I've sat in the chair of an employee before and had an owner or executive say that. And I roll my eyes because I'm like, you know, in a big company, I'm like, that executive doesn't even know who I am. They don't, they've, I've never talked to that person in my life. And so I think kind of what I'm hearing from you is that this should be a core fundamental piece of a business moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, especially if it's going to be a strategy. So if it's just something just to do to check a box, there really won't be a strong outcome there. And one thing I do want to preface too is, you know, it can be frustrating at first, say someone hears this podcast and they do this survey and not a lot of people participate. Just know that it's how you respond to it and what happens next that's going to inspire further participation in the future. So it is, it's, it's not a quick fix but they it's a behavioral change it's a mindset shift a mindset shift excuse me <laughs> so <laughs> now you're getting me all worked up i'm so excited i, I know about this. I, I love it i love it i love it because i think it's just a vitally important topic now what if you're on the other side of this and maybe you're working at a company you care about but maybe there's a new manager or there's new leadership in place and you're starting to feel that the culture is starting to shift the the wrong way. And some of that is employee recognition. Maybe you do get that person that's not naturally gifted at uh, recognizing people in, and you can tell the morale of the business or the shop or wherever you're at is starting to go downhill. It feels like I've seen this a lot where employees, especially the ones that are really bought in and they love the company, they want to see the company do well, but they don't know what to do next, right? Like they don't know if they can approach their management with this or if they're internally trying to just drive a better culture by awareness. Do you necessarily have to be a manager to drive awareness and, and drive you know that recognition? No, not at all. You know, actually, one of my favorite quotes from John Maxwell is he said, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And, you know, a title is one thing, but influence is another. So I think that impact can be made throughout the entire organization, even if it's something that that employee is just personally doing. But then there's the other component of, you know, the psychological safety of, you know, can I really be transparent and open with my thoughts? And it's interesting. I just had a call with a client yesterday and, you know, with diversity, inclusion, belonging and equity becoming such a huge topic. One of the big trends that I'm starting to see right now is a lot of employees are looking for a safe place to share ongoing feedback in a confidential way. So whether that's a suggestion box and not the kind that you're going to want to put your handwritten note in because everyone will say, oh, that's Tom again, you know, or whatever that is. It's just too recognizable, but really getting a technology in place where you can easily, confidently, and safely share some of your thoughts that are happening. And, you know, as an employer, and, you know, I'm CEO of a company too, sometimes it hurts to hear what's happening, but it's also, that is your greatest strength of an organization when people are able to share with you where potential pitfalls are and where your strengths are, because you can't see every area of the company. Do you ever battle executives or managers that don't quite see the picture the same way you do in terms of how they treat their people? 
Yes, 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 yes. So <laughs> um, I say that the executive buy-in, you know, dovetails perfectly into that management buy-in as well. So what I'm seeing right now that's very fascinating is employees, they have so much of the power right now. There's a big power shift that's happening. And so the feedback that's coming up to the executives is, you know, we want more recognition. We want a way to share, you know, feedback and advice. And so that's coming up, it's getting their attention. But then a lot of conversations I have with the managers are like, well, I don't understand why they really need that. Or is this really going to have the impact? So there's still skepticism. The thing that scares me that I talk about is, you know, these people are going to leave. There's going to be turnover. And right now too, depending on the industry in this remote world, people now have flexibility to go to a variety of other companies. And so making this shift sooner rather than later in this new decade, I feel is going to be one of the most pivotal things to the success. But the other aspect of it is this is why it's important for you. Like it always comes back to the with them. Like, yes, this is what your employees are saying that they need, but what do you need for your job? Okay. You need high productivity. You need a players on your team. Like this is how you get there. They're telling you the answers. And that's when the data comes in where I'm able to pull in, you know, this, you could get a percentage increase of X amount within your revenue, specifically within your department by making this a focus. So the conversation shifts into this is how I'm going to make you be more successful. Cause again, those two tie together. Well, and I, what I like about what you've done is you, you talked about the love languages earlier in the podcast. And I mean, I, I think the way I comprehend it, and I think I, I'm of the same understanding, is that the love language of an executive is numbers, right? They're they're trying to see. So you're trying to kind of bridge the gap between some of the soft stuff and the hard numbers of like what they're being judged on their performance by, right? And I think it's no different than most management that you've got KPIs to live up to, and you've got you know performance metrics that you have to have to live by. And I think at times that's where this gets shoved to the side. Whereas when you're breaking it down to the number side to where you see that there is a deep impact and that there is, you know, whether it's turnover, whether it's just morale of your company, there is a huge, huge level of priority that should be given to employee recognition, how you treat your employees in general. And, you know, what I love about you is that you're breaking this down to a way where I think everybody can, can understand it, right? Where executives can understand it as well as employees as well as managers. And hopefully you create this kind of cycle where it it just works better. Like there's just people that treat people well. (laughs) Yes. And oh, like I said, I mean, the economic impact that just keeps coming back. It's like when these organizations are more successful, they're able to hire more people. So more people are employed. There's more disposable income that's now going to local nonprofits to your community. It's just like, it helps. It's this amazing ripple effect that I just, yeah, am so drawn to. And I want both sides to succeed. And it's just, you know, connecting those two dots. So, well, and I love that. I think that's, you know, the the mission that you've got and what you're doing is commendable. I, I respect what you're doing. I think it's so cool. And and I really, really look forward to kind of following your company along. And, and um, one thing I did have to ask you is uh, you mentioned John C. Maxwell earlier. I love his books, but do you have any other books or tidbits or ways that people can educate themselves on this topic? Yes. So uh, John Maxwell, that's actually who I got certified by. What? 
Yeah. All so right. I love his leadership teachings and how he approaches everything. From a culture standpoint, um, one book that I absolutely love is from Robert Richmond. He was the culture strategist at Zappos and he wrote um, The Culture Blueprint. He's actually an advisor of Spark. I actually had to spark him to have him become an advisor. Awesome. But he's been so instrumental. And I think that he just really builds out this beautiful framework that goes beyond just recognition, but looking at how do you build a sustainable and unique culture to help drive your specific results. And he gets granular into even the management coaching and training. So I highly recommend his book. Wow. And Zappos, I mean, Tony Shea and everything that he did there, uh, you know, I think that's talk about culture, right? Like that's a, that was one of the best uh, and and still is. It's just a, a great company and unfortunate that we, we lost Tony Shea, but, uh, yeah. but I, I read his book too. That was a, that was a really good book too, but interesting. This is all really, really good stuff. I, I have genuinely enjoyed my conversation with you and I really hope we can get you back on the podcast at some point in the near future. Uh, to, to continue this conversation. I think there's a lot to be learned from all of your expertise and all the studying. And one, kudos to you for taking a year off and reading all of that. That is that is incredible. <laughs> there's, I think I would have been a day into it and been like, I can't do this. I'm, I'm going back to work. <laughs> well, it's really helped. It, it built the foundation of everything we're doing now. So that was truly the catalyst. Oh, well, you're doing one heck of a good job. So oh, thank, thank you for being on the program. Uh, if people want to reach you, how do they how do they find you? Yeah, so our website is sparkco.com, S-P-A-R-C-K-C-O.com. And then I'll be sure to follow up with some of the links with those free resources. All right. Well, thank you so much, Anna. We really, really appreciate you being on. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. 